and I respect everything you're saying. But seriously, cranking one out of Comiskey Park, it's got to feel kind of awesome, right? <laughs> well, it does. There's no question. When you have 30,000 people cheering for you when you did something good, I don't know if it gets much better than that. It's Car Con Carne. Let's eat in the car. It's Car Con Carne. Sorry again about my voice. Eric Soderholm, former Chicago White Sox, sitting right next to me in the car. We're in Lamont, Illinois. Uh, you just wrapped up 18 holes of golf for the Brent Sopel Tournament. This is the first time I've ever done an interview in a car with microphones <laughs> all set up, man. This will be the only time, so let's be clear about that. A former Southside hitman sitting next to me. Wow. You're bringing back a lot of years ago. Lot, but that, that, I go to I go to golf outings now, and they and the young kids look at when did you play? Oh <laughs> it's no. like it's 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 humbling, but I get it, man. I'm old now. <laughs> but in the late '70s, I mean, that was that was peak you, right? Like 1977, 1978. Yeah, you were unstoppable. We had uh, an interesting team that Bill Beck put together. It was a bunch of misfits. Um, I came from the Twins. I had a bad knee. Richie Zisk uh, came from the Pirates, and. Oscar Gamble from from I can't remember where he was from, but oh, somehow we gelled and we set a record that year for the most home runs hit by a single team. Since got broken a lot, but uh, back then that was uh, uh, I don't even remember the number. I think 192 or something like that. Uh, it was just a year that nobody expected us to be any good, and then when all of a sudden the underdog is good, we had a five game lead in August, and we were putting 30, 40, 50 thousand people in the stands almost nightly. It was a magical, magical season. And uh, while we did not win that year, the last month of the season, I think we were 15 and 15. So we didn't collapse. It's just at Kansas City, Hal McRae and George Brett and those guys, they just got really hot. I think they went like 23 and seven the last month of the season, you know? So they went by us like we were standing still. Irregardless, it was a magical season, though. And, and for you, I mean, yes, for Chicago, for the Sox, for the team, yes. But for you, I mean, comeback player of the year um, in 77. Is, it was, well, it was it was great for me because, I mean, the doctors had said that I really have less than a 50-50 chance of ever playing again after hurting my knee real bad. And I had worked out with Nautilus. Uh, they were a new company coming on the scene, and Dick Buckus and myself, um, were contacted and they wanted to rehab both of us and, and uh, uh, they said look we'll rehab you for free if uh, we can use the filming of the rehab and use it as a promotional thing to help put Nautilus on the map and it worked out great for both of us it didn't cost me anything and uh, they ended up uh, uh, putting Nautilus on the map uh, you were an influencer before that existed well uh, you know it's um, I think when you when you leave this world, they're not going to remember how many uh, how much money you had in your bank account or what kind of car you drove or whatever. But they're going to remember if you were able to inspire people. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd like to leave uh, knowing that I helped inspire a few people, whether it be staying in shape, uh, you know, or you know, working out or um, getting your own act together spiritually, not religious, but just feeling good about who you are because I just have learned 
over the years that it's it's so important to feel good about who you are and be authentic that's critical and listen I can't give love if I don't have it for myself right how do you give something that you don't have so the whole process of this thing called life is about learning how to um, love yourself and feel good about yourself and inspire people and and I've I've done that and I feel really well, talk good a little about bit about it. talk about what you're doing in, in your retirement years well my daughter got me involved um, with this uh, healing arts uh, concept of different using different modalities to help people heal and uh, she went to work for a guy named Deepak Chopra 20 some years ago and I remember she calling me and saying dad I'm working for Deepak Chopra and I said who's that I didn't even know and uh, but that was the start of my spiritual journey because the next day on channel 11 he was doing a PBS special and he was you know talking about his new books and his tape series and so I bought a book and tape series and that got me on my journey I started listening I didn't understand it all early on I do now but I mean back then he had that deep Indian accent you know so it was really kind of hard to understand him but there was something he was saying that was resonating with me and so I I really liked what he was talking about, and so I, I got into it. And once you get into it, um, uh, your life starts to change very quickly, especially if you start living by some of the principles that he was teaching and talking about. So I went from Deepak Chopra to Wayne Dyer to Caroline Mays to Marianne Williamson, of course, in Miracles, and then The Way of Mastery. And I was just an insatiable reader for three years, probably. And then finally one day I just woke up and said, you know what? I, the seeking, the seeking. I guess you always can seek, but eventually, the seeking's got to stop and the being's got to become. You know, you got to be this stuff. You can't just talk about it from the mouth. You got to just really become um, that. And uh, I did, and so my life changed completely. I went from this ego-driven maniac baseball player in the past that. <laughs> Uh, that everybody kind of idolized it. Oh, Eric, oh, Eric, I got to this guy that just understands that we're all connected and it's about helping people to heal themselves. And so we opened up this place called Solder World and uh, we did what Deepak Chopra was doing out in San Diego. We, we started doing it here and we started in the shopping center and it just kept growing and growing and growing. And then eventually I bought some land and uh, built a beautiful A-frame on it uh and so it's now become a very very popular healing center and we do things like teach people yoga teach people how to meditate how to relieve stress we have all kinds of different modalities like uh, acupuncture cranial sacral therapy uh, you know just on and on and on with different modalities that people can use to help them feel better about themselves i would imagine that being a professional ball player that schedule when you're in season it's unforgiving. I mean, you don't have time to catch your breath, do you? It's a long season. I, uh, <laughs> If I was um, in charge of changing things or making changes, I would certainly not start the season until May 1st. Forget about April. Nobody goes to baseball in April. And then uh, end the season September 1st, no matter how many games you can get in, and then play the playoffs through September, and then, you know, then it's time for football. But the season's just way too long and the owners are not going to cut it back because it's big time finance big money now you know and 
I, I have to snicker because back in the 70s, the minimum salary was like 14 grand. Now, if you get called <laughs> up to the big leagues, it's five hundred and forty some thousand dollars just to get called up and sit on the bench. Uh-huh. It's half a million dollars, you know. So it's quite different from the old days, but yet it's uh, it it opened up a lot of doors for me. And even though I didn't make a ton of money in my nine year career, uh, it did open up a lot of doors for me in the <laughs> business world, and I was able to become very successful in the baseball camp business and the hitting schools. And the, I got into ticket business, and I started a company called Front Row Tickets, and that grew into a multi-million-dollar business. And um, you know, and then and then I finally just got tired of ripping people off. You know, I was starting to get on a spiritual path, and felt very uncomfortable charging people two hundred dollars for a Cub ticket, uh, telling them that I paid one seventy-five when really I paid eighty-five. You know, so it was like I got tired of lying. You know, and when once you get on that spiritual path, you realize how important it is to be truthful. And um, and I and I just had to get away from it, and so I ended up selling front row. StubHub came on the scene anyway, and we were not doing well. We were starting to fade, and so it was perfect timing for me to get into something else. And so my daughter and I started this place called Solder World, and I figured if Walt Disney could call his place Disney World, I could call my Absolutely. place Solder World. And so it's been around now quite a few years, and uh, people are loving it, and they're coming in droves, and. Sometimes just did a six-page special on us, and we were on WGN with Anna Bellaberry, I think her name is, and uh, um, she, they were doing segment clips, live clips out of Sada World. So the publicity that we have been getting lately uh, has been phenomenal, and our growth is, is we're really growing. Now, the place wasn't created to make money because I already right. had that. I already had a business like that. I wanted to create a place where I could create beautiful safe place where people can come and work on themselves and have all great healing modalities healers healing modalities and stuff in the in this in the center like a one-stop shopping for spirituality and i think we've accomplished that and um there's a lot of people coming now so i'm very very i'm actually quite honestly i'm more proud of creating that place than i was in playing nine years in the big leagues that's interesting to me Uh, because you know you you come to the park and you watch us play and yeah you can get involved in that winning energy everybody wants to feel what what it feels like to win you know i get that but it's not a world that's more more than that it's it's really about going within yourself i mean and i'm not a religious guy but even jesus said the kingdom of heaven is within you so we teach people how to go within and find that peace that's within all of us it's all there and uh, we're the ones that are responsible for creating that in our lives. Uh, when I finally learned that there's not a God up there that's going, man, I really like that Eric Soderholm guy, so I'm going to make his life fabulous. But I don't like that person because, uh, you know, <coughs> I'm going to make his life suck. Once you get that, that that's not really the case, and there's really nothing to fear, you're really just a spiritual being using a physical body to experience this thing we call life. And it goes on for eternity. So <laughs> so once you get that and you realize you create your own reality and you don't have to play the game with any fear, man, does your life get good. <laughs> your life gets really good then when you get that. And I respect everything you're saying. But seriously, cranking one out of Comiskey Park, it's got to feel kind of awesome, right? <laughs> well, it does. There's no question. When you have 30,000 people cheering for you when you did something good, I don't know if it gets much better than that, but I will tell you this, uh, feeling connected to source energy every day and feeling that peace uh, 
every day. That's special also. I love it. What a fascinating career. What a fascinating guy. Thank you for doing this. Oh, it's my pleasure. And thank you for watching on Facebook Live. And thank you so much.